a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana, a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, uh, but it's their humble, holy way of living. It's exactly what makes them extra to me, and I'm very excited for you to meet them. Now, uh, longtime listeners of MANA have no doubt heard me affectionately refer to my college alma mater, Gustavus Adolphus College, uh, more than once on the big show here, as it was a, uh, a very impressionable time for me with uh, very fond memories, friendship, and fun, and faith, um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I'm also a, uh, a fan, another F word there, another, I'm a fan of Gustavus's marketing, uh, being a marketing guy myself, um, and specifically a brand positioning and tagline that the school developed a few years back. Uh, which I had nothing to do with, uh, sad to say, uh, that I think is one of the most authentic brand statements uh, for any kind of brand, anywhere from colleges to cars. Um, uh, uh, Anyway, the school found four words that I think perfectly, succinctly sum up the entire Gustavus experience and really a call for all of their alumni, regardless of when they graduated. And those four words are make your life count. Okay. Well, today's guest, who is, yes, a, a fellow Gusty, uh, is even better than that perfect brand positioning because he is the embodiment of it. Today's guest not only lived out that brand promise on campus, uh, although I think it was developed uh, long after he graduated, uh, but he carried it forward into a continuing educational path, uh, earning advanced certifications and degrees. I mean, seriously, it was just brushing up on his uh, LinkedIn profile. He's got more letters behind his name than, than most, most people. Um, his professional life, he carried it forward into his professional life, which we'll talk about uh, here in a little bit. Uh, his community life as a very active board member for organizations in the civic, in the educational sector, in the faith sector, uh, and most importantly, in his personal life as a devoted husband, father, son, son-in-law, and friend. Uh, probably an uncle thrown in there. I'm not exactly sure, but I'm sure there's other other uh, other roles that he plays as this very purpose-driven person. So I'm very excited for you uh, to meet someone today who is really, really living a deep, deep life of purpose, making his life count every day. Uh, today's man man welcome Mr. Luke Winskowski. Hey, Luke. Hi, how are you? Great. Thank you for being on uh, on the big show. It took you a while, I'll just say. You know, we started talking, you know, around season three or so. And so now we're finally uh, getting you on the on the program. So thank you again. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Well, I want and I kind of want to start where uh, uh, a little bit uh, I referenced uh, a lot, actually, in the introduction, you know, with our, our shared school and schools like Gustavus um, with great liberal arts traditions. Um, have actually long before pithy little marketing uh, slogans have, uh, you know, for years really espoused that kind of, you know, the liberal arts education, that living uh, a a life uh, with a sense of purpose and responsibility, you know, the bigger picture that everything fits into. Um, But I do feel like our generation, our our age, we kind of came up through school with a real personalized um, approach to that, you know, a real 
a direct and personal sense of really wanting to achieve that sense of purpose and looking for purpose, you know, in every aspect of our lives, you know, the jobs that we took and the volunteer things that we did, the trips that we took. So I guess I kind of want to start for you because, you know, and and our listeners are going to find out here over the next 20 minutes or so, just how much you do embody that. When did you feel like this whole purpose-filled life was one that you were, you know, kind of designed to live? That's a deep question. It's a good one. <laughs> and, and, you know, starting off, starting off in the deep end of the pool here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's honestly hard not to appreciate where a person comes from and the type of upbringing that a person has. So I'll, I'll share a little bit about that because I, I think it's where purpose is born, if you will. I was uh, an adopted child um, at birth, but it was a part of my identity. Um, and I thank my parents every day for making that a part of my identity, very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And um, always knew I was born to a teenage mother. And um, through the process of adoption at that time, so this is 1981, um, 1980, uh, closed adoptions were the norm. You, you as a parent, um, made an application. Uh, they stripped the application of your name, and um, you basically wrote down all the reasons why you would want a child and to be a great parent. And my parents went through that process, which itself is very purposeful, purpose-driven. And it was nine months to the date of application that they got a call and received um, myself, Hmm. which is really, you know, kind of a wonderful gesture in itself. But, you know, that, that's, that, that's a part of my identity story. I of course don't remember that time, but I, you know, I now acknowledge how significant of an event that was. And the other, the other place it takes me, which isn't totally unrelated, is then you think of the people who shaped you. And for me, it was um, two sets of grandparents, both on my mother's side and my, grand, and my uh, father's side, who were very formative in the way that I viewed the world and the way that um, how, how they viewed the world. And I, you know, I, what I like to stress there is you went through my resume, which still to this day makes me uncomfortable because I don't think of myself as a big deal. So I like your, your man, the slogan and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm in, from all uh, paper sense, if you will, worldly sense, I've accomplished far more than I think my grandparents could have accomplished, but what they instilled in me was far more deep yeah. and meaningful. And so they were, um, I'll give you their trades. Uh, so one set was a railroad conductor and a stay-at-home mom, and the other set was a baker and a lumberjack. Wow. And uh, they all, I think, I actually know this to be factual. They all lived entirely on their paychecks and then Social Security and a railroad pension. And they all lived very abundantly. I never, mm-hmm. ever felt as a child that there was any lack of want or any lack of joy in the in their households and they taught me values and that that really for me grounded me in um a sense of when i think of the word purpose it's it's something more than accomplishment um it's something more akin to uh direction and um having a clear sense of what's important Mm -hmm. and that that was something that you know never for me got confused with things, if you will, or, or, you know, frankly, even the things that we, the titles and all those letters um, behind my name, I did, while they were effort and they, they allow me to do things, they don't mean that much. Yeah. 
quite honestly. So yeah. those are those are some of my yeah. reflections. That's so great, and I would imagine that that and you're right. I mean, we're all of us blessedly are much more than you know the the accomplishments that you know on our LinkedIn profiles or resumes. And yet, I do think you know there has to growing up in that kind of a setting and growing up with such intentionality is likely something that you know that drive that you have to honor you know the sacrifices that your that your parents made and your grandparents made in making sure that you were growing up and I shouldn't say sacrifice but just uh, the the effort that they put into making sure that you were surrounded in love and surrounded by these great examples you know those are all what you've accomplished in the more sort of traditional secular, you know, whatever mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. is, is, is in a way it's honoring that, you know, it's, it's, it's a way of the person you became, you know, uh, um, it's not an accident, I guess is what I'm trying to say is, is those are, those are, those are virtuous accomplishments, even though sometimes we, we don't tend to look at them uh, quite mm-hmm. as deeply. Mm-hmm you know, as, uh, as, as you have, how, how big of a deal, um, growing up in such a cool extended, uh, and multi-generational kind of family, how, how big of a deal was faith was, was church a big deal growing up? Uh, or did that come later in life? Uh, no, it was, it was a big deal. Um, and it was a big deal in different ways. So I, you know, one of my favorite stories of my, my parents was that it was hours before their wedding that my grandfather who was a staunch Norwegian Lutheran agreed to walk my mother down the aisle with a Catholic. Oh. And, and um, <laughs> my mother, you know, it, it, it kind of consistent with the time won the, how will they be baptized? Um, you know, war, if you will. So we were baptized Lutheran, but my Catholic grandparents um, made it quite, you know, quite uh, clear that we would be joining them at mass at least monthly. So, yeah. I, I traveled between these two worlds and, you know, to, to this day, it shapes me because quite honestly, I, I found them to be not that, not that dissimilar, but mm-hmm. um, it was very meaningful to them. And it was really the rituals that was really just as a, as a child, very curious to watch and see. And, you know, for your, for your listeners, I, I was like, you know, this isn't a monologue about me. I, I like to ask people to really reflect on their own sense of when did rituals become important in their faith tradition? because. Um, so many faiths, you know, have some of these core elements at their heart, but they, mm-hmm. they ritualize them in some different ways. So I, I, you know, I was able to observe those in very formative years, yet I, I was, if you will, on, you know, um, from baptism to confirmation and to this day, Lutheran through and through, mm-hmm. but more, more, more in an ecumenical sense than a, you know, mm-hmm. specifically dogmatically Lutheran, like my, my Norwegian grandfather was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, uh, that's great. What, what about, um, you know, you talked about your grandparents and obviously your, your own parents. What were, who were some, we talk a, a lot about role models on MANA and specifically men who, who, you know, shape the men that we become. As you think back to growing up, you know, who are some guys that you can remember as being particularly influential to you? Um, you know, certainly there's been so many. I mean, I've, I've already shared a bit about my grandfather, mm-hmm. the staunch Norwegian Lutheran, who mm-hmm. who um, would routinely uh, do Bible studies with me, um, though 
you know, maybe I, as a 10 year old, didn't want to, but <laughs> it was, I mean, quite literally four hours at a time. Um, yeah. wow. you know, that was, that was important to him. And so I, I made sure it was important that we got that time together, but you know, um, that was more of the, the biblical liturgical sense, but more in the lived express sense, you know, I certainly people through my church were very close, you know, from youth pastors to, um, just good neighbors in the, mm-hmm. in the faith community. Um, but I think as I, you know, I'll bring us to more young adulthood. I mean, I think there are real points of which that men of faith, I think, um, really kind of expressed into my life. One was when I was married um, at Gustavus, we had, um, now I'm blanking on what, what they call these individuals, not the deacon, but the, oh, the, the uh, chaplain. The chaplain, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. chaplain, yeah. chaplain Brian. Um, he married my wife and me, and uh, he ended up doing our premarital counseling, which we had no idea what to expect, but it was a very um, introspective, welcoming, and inclusive view into um, entering a marriage. I had mm-hmm. I had a, a professor. Um, his name was uh, Daryl. I'm blanking on his last name, but he was a the- theologian and. He was a he himself was a Lutheran, but he taught about all of the world religions and how the history of these world religions, you know, coalesced into something that might suggest that there's a more universal string between them. Mm-hmm. That was very formative to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, lastly, I think of um, in my current employer, Thrivens. I started 17 years ago, and I actually think you knew the individual, Richard Anderson, who mm-hmm. who was uh, a cartographer churns, restaurateur churned, pastor churned, financial advisor. The only, the only um, combination that I could find <laughs> of that life path. But um, he had such a joy about him and such a expression of joy for his faith. And in a way that allowed people, you know, who in my, in my case, you know, in my early twenties, not to feel threatened around what identity I might choose in that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I think that's a really, for me, but I also think for a lot of younger people, that's a really important message to, um, especially men who want to role model for other men um, who are struggling through a lot of these messages they're getting around what religion is, what Christianity is, um, and where a world can be, it can be so divisive and so doctrined that it pushes people away from even exploring the notionality of being a faith-filled person, mm-hmm. I, you know? And so I'm, I'm giving examples of people who really invited it and made it um, psychologically safe, yeah. which I think is incredibly important in the question you asked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you brought up Thrivent and we've had a couple of guys on, on the show in past seasons who have been associated with Thrivent guys like Ted Contag and Bruce Andrew, and you are, uh, I think a great example of someone who, um, you know, like you say, you've been there, you've been there a while. And, you know, for, for most folks who, you know, kind of get that sort of mission itch and want to do something, you know, with meaning and, um, you know, you, you, they end up, you know, dabbling around the edges or whatever you are in, uh, and I'm going to say the belly of the beast, but it's in the best way. I mean, you're, you're, you are, you are deeply ensconced in a in a role at a multi billion dollar organization that is rooted in purpose. I mean the very the very um, tenets of of Thrivent, which used to be Lutheran Brotherhood, 
um, is was based in in a faith, you know, tr- not only faith mm-hmm. tradition but a faith membership, and now it's continuing to evolve, you know, with leaders like yourself into this just really really impressive organization that is really helping people, you know, just consider these big questions about purpose and then and then living them out, living out that big question in very very everyday ways of like, you know, financial management. So when you look back now on these, on this career that you've, that you've so expertly crafted and then all of these, you know, um, purpose little seeds that have been sprinkled throughout your life at the, from the very, very beginning, you know, it, do you look at it as a, like, is it just not, nothing's dumb luck, but I mean, is this all kind of coming, how engineered do you feel this has become? Yeah, yeah. Well, a couple things. I mean, theologically, I believe that God gave us free will for a reason. I so I you know so when I think of um, of engineering in the theological sense, you know, I don't think that we've been predestined to to really anything. And that's that's more of a you know a, a different way of looking at the question. But I you know if I take that string of thought, I, I do believe that. God puts opportunities and places and people in front of you for reasons and you get to decide what to do with them. And, you know, for me, Thrivent has been as much of a gift to me um, as much as I'm committed to continuing to live its purpose to great impact for others. And, you know, so in, in a lot of ways, um, and I, and actually in early days, you know, of my adulthood into college, I would, you know, some of the writing I would do on the subject of this, I would write about this. But, you know, if you really look at the biblical definition of a church, it's where two or more gather in the name of Christ. That's the, that's really what church is. We've, mm-hmm. we've, we've made it, you know, steeples and, and certain types of buildings and windows and stuff like that. Um, but really, it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. And organizations can very much be an extension of the church or the body of Christ as much as, um, as what we call our, our formal church community or where I go Bethlehem Lutheran church, you know? So when I think of it that way, the commitment I have to the organization is, is both a community-based one. It's, it's purpose-driven, it's spiritual and it's, it's reinforcing. And so the people that I get to be, um, you know, that I have the sincere honor to work alongside are all on their own journey, but I work at an organization where that can be discussed and expressed and mm-hmm. challenged and um, pushed up against. And that that's really healthy for the world we live in today. And, and, you know, I, I always try to make the point, you know, one of the things I so appreciate about Thrivent, I appreciate about Lutheran social service is that I believe we allow safe spaces for people who aren't as resolved in their own faith or may come from a different faith tradition to um, go through that same process. Mm-hmm. And that, that to me has um, also been really important. So I'm getting a little bit into the intentionality behind why I stay and um, what it means for both the work I do and why it matters, but also what's given back to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, quite frankly, my family, we don't think of Thrivent as a traditional employer. I mean, it's kind of not only do I have 800 t-shirts, with every version of the logo from, you know, 2003 and blazoned on it. I, no. we, we, we just kind of, that's our world. Yeah. And, and therefore it's so formative to 
um, how we see the world and how we interact with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, you mentioned along the way there around how it is creating a space, not only for its employees, but I think all, um, as a member myself, uh, for all of the members, the clients to be talking about, to acknowledging the role that, that faith and, um, again, purpose and this sense of being that, like making it less uh, awkward to talk about, you know, and and that's a little bit of the, in a very, very, very distant cousin of that, you know, that's what this podcast is trying to do is just get people to be more comfortable talking about it and acknowledging the influence that it has in their life or the influence that they want it to have in their life. And I think that is just such a, it is such a great arena that you are playing such a big role in to help more people um, express that. Because I think it's something I've experienced myself that you you want to express it. You're just oftentimes looking for kind of a safe place uh, to do it and, and a safe language to do it in. And, uh, you know, in, in Thriven's case, if it comes out, you know, in the, in the, in, in the arena of financial planning, then great. You know, it, it's, a, it's actually a very great way to, to talk about those, uh, those, um, those faith elements and the, yeah, and the and, values. And, and, you know, I often find myself actually interesting that you bring up financial planning. I often find myself getting more enrichment and reflection out of the, just the lives of people who care mm-hmm. and being around those types of people. Um, even than just the financial planning. Financial planning is just an activity to to help a person line their decisions with you know what actually matters to them. And so you know finding spaces where you can actually talk to people about what matters to them is really pretty cool. Yeah. And that doesn't happen just at Thrive, and that happens in lots of spaces. But um, you know, I as, as you were talking and as you're asking the question and I was thinking about, you know, would I ever leave Thrivent? It would be hard to leave for any place that their sole purpose would be to produce a shareholder return or to, um, you know, uh, accomplish, make more widgets. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that isn't, that's not a big purpose. And it, it's kind of why I start with my, my origin story because that doesn't motivate me. And I don't think it motivates mm-hmm. a lot of people. I think it, mm-hmm you know, ultimately, um, wears it down if they, if they get into the rut of just, you know, being in it for widgets or, or dollars or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I think the, the, the kinds of, uh, you know, quote unquote returns that, that Thrivent is looking for and helping people achieve are, are the kind that are, necessarily rooted in relationship, you know, like you can't, you can't help somebody, um, even if we are thinking specifically with the financial, you can't align those financial goals with other goals without knowing that person, you know, and mm-hmm. really understanding. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think you're right. I think there's a, there's a depth of the ROI, if you will, uh, in, in what Thriven is doing, the way Thriven is doing it, that requires that, that aspect of relationship yeah. and, uh, you know, listening on that kind of stuff. So. Very, very cool. Well, and we could talk all darn night, um, but that uh, at, at some point our listeners would be like, "Okay, guys, seriously, <laughs> like take it, take yeah. it, take it somewhere else." So let's uh, let's segue into our final little segment here. We call it the fun segment, okay. uh, which is uh, which is um, you know it's kind of a it sets a high bar. So let's have some fun here. So these are the same three questions that we ask every guest. 
to wrap up the show. So question number one, if Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow morning and just wanted to hang out for the day, just, just you and Jesus, you can do whatever you want you take him anywhere you want. Um, and literally the day is all yours. Uh, and it, but it's just, just the two of you. What are you doing with Jesus? Wow. Well, that's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's quite the question. I mean, you know, my, my mind went immediately to where Jesus could show me something, but I, yeah. I don't think that's, I don't think that's a good answer. I actually think that, you know, I think that Disney world would give Jesus just a, a real over sensory overload. And I don't even really like Disney world, but just the thought of walking around Disney world with Jesus might, might be, um, just worth it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You'd have plenty to talk about. There's a lot of Yeah, we'd have layers, lots to talk about. Lots yep. of layers there for sure. I, I think it's great. That's awesome. All right. Fun segment question number two. Uh, if you could go to church with any other guy, who are you going to take to church? Oh, for, for sure, Trump. I mean, come on. I just, <laughs> I just, I just have to like, I've got to get a firsthand just to see what's going on there, but he has to go with me. So right, right, he, right. he can't leave and he can't not participate. So it's just going to yep. be a, a real session, but he's got to go, you know, and, and be a part of the thing. So, yep. all right. Yep. All right. That's good. That's good. You'll have, you'll have onlookers. They'll, they'll want to look in. So for sure. Yep. All right. Last question. So if you could give mm-hmm. one piece of advice to a younger man. Okay. So think further upstream, high school, middle school, whatever. Um, early on, uh, about just living, uh, really kind of living your kind of life, you know, a life of confident faith, a life of purpose, integrity. What would be that one piece of advice that you give a younger man? I would say build relationships with mentors who are at different stages of life than you ask Mm -hmm. them to mentor you to be a resource for you. I think it's incredibly powerful. And I think that there aren't too many men um, of character and faith that would turn that great honor down. And mm-hmm. I had the opportunity for a lot of folks to step up and provide that to me, like Richard, Bruce, Ted, others. But I, I would really encourage young men to have the courage to ask. And I, I think they'd be really surprised. I, I do believe that um, there are a lot of really good people out there. Yeah. Yeah. They just got to be asked. That's great. Well, hey, Luke, thank you so much again for uh, for joining us and for sharing uh, your great origin story and and really how you've lived out your purpose and that sense of intentionality right from the get-go um, uh, still today and, and moving forward. So it's been great talking. Thanks again for being here. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.